This week on the Music Biz Weekly podcast, it's the state of touring in 2023, the importance of selling physical merchandise. It's how important is it to have your merch stand manned the entire night you're performing, not just when you get off stage. So many great, great topics discussed today with Ari Herstand. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay. Yes, you do. Uh, this is going to be a fun discussion. We've got a long time guest returning. I don't know. It's third, fourth time. Yeah. Um, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. But before we get into that guest, let's just do a quick shout out to Bruce and everybody at Hypebot and Bands in Town for all you do to support us. And of course, remind everybody, head over to the artist community on Bands in Town where we hang out and artists have discussions and ask questions and get help. Just head over to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Thank you to our sponsors, bandzoogle.com. We want to take this time to congratulate Bandzoogle members for surpassing $100 million in commission-free sales of music, merch, and tickets through their websites. $100 million artists earned and didn't pay a penny of commission to Bandzoogle. That's awesome. That's great. Bandzoogle makes it super easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music in minutes. All the features you need are already built in, including dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell music, merch, and tickets commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations with Bands in Town, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, Bandcamp, and more, so you can easily build, easily add content from any of your other online profiles. Live support is amazing. They've got seven days a week musicians staffing their customer support line. So when you call with a question, they understand what you're talking about. Uh, plans at Bandzoogle start at just $8.29 a month, and that includes hosting of your website and a free custom domain name. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners, head over to bandzoogle.com, sign up, try it for free for 30 days. And when you register, make sure you use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. That's all one word. And you will save 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And of course, thank you so much to discmakers.com. We all know it's a digital world, but there's still such an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. We have a discussion about physical product coming up here. Mm -hmm. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, and T-shirts online and at gigs is such an important income generator. Mm -hmm. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams. That's a lot of marketing. That's a lot of promotion. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. 
head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, be sure you enter the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay, who's our returning guest? Our returning guest is our favorite advocate for independent artists and the author of this third edition of how to make it in the new music business, Mr. Ari Herstand. Yeah. Great discussions. We talk about the state of touring right now. Um, is it going to get better? We talk about the importance of selling physical merch. We yeah. talk about your merch table, your merch stand at shows. Um, this is, this is a really good discussion for artists of all levels. So Absolutely. sit back and enjoy. Podcast.com. Subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. This week, we're joined by our friend Ari Herstan, singer, songwriter, author, independent artist advocate. He's just released the third edition of this book. Am I in there? How to yep. make it in the new music business. Love this book, Ari. There's just so much to digest. We were just talking before we hit record. We could talk for days and days about this, but welcome. Thank you for joining us. Super exciting that you got this edition out. I love the purple and red, and I mean, that's worth the price of admission right there. So yeah. tell us a little bit about, I mean, this, this business has changed while you and I have been having this conversation. You're probably jotting down <laughs> notes like, oh, crap, for the next edition, I need to have. I got I to gotta update this chapter right away. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about, you know, that process of going, oh, my gosh, every single area that I need to kind of update. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so, so the previous edition, the second edition came out three years ago. Um, and you know, a lot has changed in the last three years, uh, not least of which the pandemic. So, you know, I, I, uh, there, everything is through the lens of kind of the post pandemic music industry, namely kind of the, the touring landscape and, and kind of what that oh, yeah. looks like. Um, but you know, in the previous edition, uh, I had one mention of TikTok. literally <laughs> and the only mention that was, it was like, oh, and then musically became TikTok. Anyway, moving on. Nothing to see here. So, <laughs> right. You know, so, that, now, that, so now this edition has all sorts of TikTok, but the next edition will be, well, the U.S. government banned TikTok. So, okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you no, know, it was interesting. Yeah, they were talking about that three years ago, or like, I guess, two years ago, too. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. I, I, yeah, who knows? I think I, I don't I don't see that happening. I just I don't see it don't. happening either. They'll figure it out. I mean, China is going to be selling TikTok uh, to a U.S. company before they're going willing to shut it down. Completely. Yeah, I, mean, this is I like, think that look, and you just email. touched on something that is so important today, and that's touring has changed so much. It's so hard to break even on the road. If you've, if you're at the yeah. size where you need a bus, they're three times as expensive. If you're not, if you're driving yeah. around in a van, gas, hotel, uh, vinyl for your merch. I mean, talk a little bit about the dynamics of, well, let's call it touring. And, and that'll cover the gamut of people who are just playing live local shows to those doing little mini tours to the whole thing. Talk about how that's changed in three years. Right. So you know, the biggest the biggest change and the biggest challenge, I should say, um, and, and this is kind of an interesting time period that we're in right now. And, and we're talking, you know, like early 2023. Um, and this is even kind of but most of 2022. Uh, the reason that uh, touring was kind of all over the place. So if you look at the poll star numbers, if you look at kind of 
uh, you know, the macro numbers, uh, you'd think, oh, the touring industry is better than ever. Like the 2022 numbers that Polestar released, it had its highest grossing years of all time in 2022. But if you really break that down, you know uh, what that means, because like Harry Styles has no problem uh, selling out Madison Square Garden. I mean, he just like he glances at uh, an arena and it's sold out. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's like but but when you're talking like small to mid-level artists, I mean, the challenge is is because one, everybody got back on the road. So people are still doing makeup concerts in 2022 uh, from COVID. I mean, I I was still doing them this year. I, yeah, still, no, absolutely. Yeah. They're still doing this year. So, you know, the the problem, the challenge, the biggest challenge, um, it's not just, you know, the price of gas or whatever. It, the biggest challenge is that the market is oversaturated right now. It's just like most people don't go out to shows four nights a week um, yeah. and never before uh, did they have the opportunity even or or even the desire to see multiple shows um, in a given month or, you know, let alone a week. But yeah. now that everyone's back on the road, people are having to choose, like, do I want to go see, you know, these five superstars that are all coming to my town in the next two months, which like they're, you know, they're not going to come back for another one to two to three years. Or do I want to go see these mid-level artists that I would normally go see, you know, once or twice a month? And everything is happening in their in their market all at the same time. Um, you know, venues have been booked up now. Um, people are booking venues further out than ever. Yeah. You know, um, back in early 2022, I remember talking to agents and they're like, yeah, we're booking deep into 2023 right now. Um, for even to, like the mid-level clubs, small to mid-level clubs. So it's like you have to plan much further in advance uh, right now because everyone's kind of playing catch-up. Everyone was so eager to get back on the road, and then people were wildly underselling. Uh, another big thing that, um, you know, after speaking with booking agents and talent buyers, club owners, all of that, uh, and promoters, is that the buying habits of fans, of consumers, have changed dramatically pre-COVID, post-COVID, because so many shows uh, got pushed back and changed dates so many times, people are a little gun-shy to buy so far in advance now because they're like, well, is that show going to get moved? The previous five shows that I bought tickets for all got canceled or all got moved and, you know, multiple times. Um, So what they're saying the buying behavior is, is that a lot of people are not buying advance tickets, uh, and these are for kind of small, small and mid-level sure. clubs. Uh, we're not talking the superstars. Um, they're not buying far in advance uh, like they used to. Uh, however, similarly though, uh, walk-up is also down. So, really like, interesting. Yeah, and it's like eighty percent of you know the sales are all coming in like the day before, or even like the morning of or something. And so it's like. You know, whereas before people would um, walk up was was decent uh, for small to mid-level clubs. Now walk up sales are way down um, and far advanced ticket sales are way down. So it's kind of like that two day, three day window right before the show (laughs) happens is when people are making their decision of if they're going to go check it out. And I think it all has to do with the oversaturation of the market. also, there's, you know, a lot more competition, not just from touring artists, but from entertainment. We have changed um, our behaviors in terms of like how late we want to stay out. Previously, a lot of people were staying out, staying out till 11 or 12 on a weeknight. 
didn't phase a lot of live music lovers previously. Now that's like out of the question if you're over 30. <laughs> it's like, you know, no one's going to, no one wants to stay out past 10 anymore. And like yeah. that, that, that is a really big difference. And so a lot of clubs have moved their start times up, um, you know, and Interesting. not only that, I mean, people are, uh, people are more willing to stay at home and binge the TV shows that they're watching because there was so much more, uh, streaming shows. I mean, so many more streaming networks popped yeah. up over the last three years. And so people have so much more choice. So artists are not only competing with other touring artists and for people that want to go out, they're also competing for other people forms that want to stay home. Yeah. yeah. And the other entertainment. Yeah. I, th I think, I think a lot of artists don't realize that the, the fan, the consumer habits have changed drastically from 2022 onward. Uh, to yep. your point, we got conditioned. Okay, I, I, we can't go out. First of all, we weren't allowed to go out. Right. We got used to that. We got used to watching everything on TV. We got used to having food delivered, alcohol delivered. Mm -hmm. I mean, that right. that was the, the big thing. Games. I was just like, right. oh my right. god, it's great! I can now have alcohol <laughs> delivered, or I can yep. I can go to that restaurant that only has takeout, but they'll bring me a margarita to take out and go home with, drive yes. home with. Yes, things change completely. And, and with the oversaturation, the fans now have, again, greater choices, not just of entertainment in general, but greater choices of bands to go see. Mm -hmm. Meaning, mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident that, yeah, I want to go see Ari. I want to go see you when you come mm -hmm. to town in three months. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stuff coming to town as well. And you know what? I don't want to commit. Right. 10 bucks, 30 bucks, 300 bucks, whatever a ticket might be that far in advance when I might change my mind. Right. So right. I'm going to hold off on committing my purchase until that last <laughs> minute. And, and I, and I think a lot of people are also seeing, um, no shows people who yeah. buy tickets who don't show up to the show because yes, of no shows are, changing are way up. Uh, yes. that that's something that also hasn't changed. Uh, you know, I mean, the makeup shows that's to be expected because people sure. just forgot they bought tickets to the show. I mean, hell I re I bought tickets to a show by accident twice because I forgot I bought it. Like I bought it to go <laughs> see the show in 2020. And then it, I saw like, Oh my gosh, they're coming to town. It, like last right. end of 2022. I was like, Oh, I want to see that show. And then I logged into my Ticketmaster account, walking up to the gate. And I am like, wait a minute. I have I got two tickets. tickets to this show. And I'm I sure that's it's not like, oh, this was the makeup. Yeah, I'm sure there's more people. And I have some artists that have like 20, 25% mm -hmm. no shows. And some of yes. those are starting to come down. But the, that makes a difference when you're in a venue and it's three quarters full. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, absolutely, like artists don't like playing to a half empty room, even if they're making, you know, the, the sellout rate. Um, so yeah, no shows are way up. Um, that's a thing. And, and people are, are far more comfortable now, um, not showing up to a show that they only yeah. paid maybe 10, $15, uh, for the advanced ticket for, um, so, you know, all of that being said is I do see things starting to level back out. Um, we are seeing, like you said, the no show rates go down. People are starting to get back into their normal buying behaviors, normal going out um, things. The market isn't going to be as saturated in 2023 
as it was in 2022, things are starting to just level out a little bit. But all of that being said, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for artists to um, reassess their touring game and really just like get smart about the tried and true methods of like, how do you make money on the road and how are you going to make sure that it's a profitable tour? I yeah. mean, with, with low advanced tick sales, it's hard to plan um, for what the tour is going to do. And the projections are really challenging because some previously people would like set up a whole tour. It would sell 80% in the first month. And they're like, all right, the tour is going to be great. Now it's not selling 80% until two days before the show date. Yeah, so they're like, whole different dynamic, plan. right? Yeah. So that's why you have to get really smart about, you know, your VIP packages. Uh, a lot of small to mid-level artists are really uh, doubling down on VIP. And it's not just for the superstars. I mean, you know, we're seeing, sure, you know, they, it might be like a, a, a 300 person sh cap show but they can sell 20 vip so if like maybe it's a 300 cap show tickets are 15 dollars, but they can sell 20 vips for a hundred dollars i mean that right there you've just increased you know you've made more on that just the vip package um yeah then you might on the the guarantee yeah. um and so you know in the promoter uh, sometimes it like, depending on how you sell the VIP packages, whether it's directly through the promoter or the third party or your own, you get to keep a lot more of that. That's right. Um, and so, yeah. you know, and, and VIP badges can anything from just like, come to sound check, watch our sound check yeah. first in line at merch, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that for a second. Cause one of the things I think is the strength of your book is revenue sources, alternative revenue sources. We all know there's not a lot of revenue in sales and streams for the developing mid-level artists. There just isn't a ton. Yeah, you can right. sell some premium vinyl at the merch table and some people are getting into cassettes and other creative ways of doing that. Yeah. But talk about some other ways. You had just mentioned, you know, in, in addition to ticket sales, mm -hmm. you, you know, the paid meet and greets, talk about some other ways that you're seeing artists creatively monetize their careers. Yeah, I mean, so uh, we're moving into kind of crowdfunding 3.0, you know, 1.0 was Kickstarter. And that's what we saw 1.0. Uh, 2.0 was kind of Patreon. So the ongoing monthly supporting subscription, yeah. uh, subscription stuff, you know, 3.0 is what we're seeing that a lot of this technology is built on web three um and it, it's not just nfts that that's almost become a dirty word at this point is kind of just like we, we don't really use that term anymore um but it's like it's uh song investing is what we're, we're really seeing i mean there's other ways that um artists are starting to monetize so we we saw what what royal did that was uh nas's company and what royal is it's it's song investing and so you basically you know you can offer up 50% of your royalties to maybe, you know, a hundred different fans that all want to buy a, a share of those royalties. So maybe there's one person and maybe you value your song at a million dollars. And maybe there's one person that has a half a million dollars and they want to buy up all 50%. Or maybe you have a hundred fans that all want to spend a varying amounts or something like sure. that. And then they make those royalties back. It's not ownership, uh, of course, but it's just, they get a share of the, the royalties. So it's like an investment, right? It's an investment. Yeah. And so, you know, just like people, it's like how people are like day trading on Robinhood with stocks. We're starting to see that with royalties. Now, you know, the headlines have been around the massive catalog uh, sells and purchases sure. and, you know, Bieber selling his catalog for a hundred million dollars or whatever, you know, all of those, um, you know, sales. 
Uh, but it's also happening on a micro level that we're seeing with artists across the board. You know, uh, there's a new company called LabelCoin. I'm on, the, I'm on the advisory board of that. That does a similar thing, but it actually appeals more to kind of the, the emerging artists than like what Royal is, is very selective with more of those kind of name artists. Um, and, uh, and then there's like a bunch of companies that are popping up in that space that were that's like right. crowdfunding 3.0 kind of thing. So that's, that's an opportunity, the song investing, um, through your fans. Um, and so, you know, that's, um, other than like, I mean, streaming is, is really interesting because it's like, you know, there are artists, it's like, we've, we've gotten to this point now where, um, streaming can, as they release these numbers, it pays it's, it, as the release of last year's numbers, I mean, it's pays, uh, I think the number was like, um, over 16,000 artists made over $50,000, uh, just from Spotify revenue alone. It's like, okay, um, that's promising. But the thing is, is that the economics of streaming, um, doesn't necessarily work for artists with diehard fans that want to support them. And so that's right. It's like it Pond works, consumption. yeah, right. It, yeah, and, and you know, it works for the artists that get placed, um, that are getting um, a lot of streams, whether the people know who they are or not. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't really matter. But for the artists that have big fandoms, that's a different story. Um, and so that's why we're trying to find alternative um, ways to monetize that artist fan engagement. And um, so, so. There are, um, I mean, that, that crowdfunding 3.0 is kind of the newest thing that's happening, you know. Yeah. Um, we're not quite at mass consumption for NFTs. Uh, that's still become, that's extremely niche um, until, until all uh, fans, you know, know how to buy an NFT uh, with a credit card oh and, and all of it's, that. It's challenging, right? I mean, just to <laughs> yeah. know about that. I like these companies and, and, and full disclosure, I'm on the board of SongVest, which does kind of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I'm also working with companies that are tying digital to physical. So for example, mm -hmm. you buy this lithograph or this test pressing or that whatever it is, and there's a chip there. So it's also registered on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. So I think those kinds of technologies are super exciting going forward, but also just things like experiences where someone will do yes. handwritten lyrics or perform on your song, you know, mm -hmm. or those kinds of things. To me, those are super compelling too. And then just, just the regular merch table it surprises me sometimes when I go to see an artist play and they don't offer much on the merch table. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you listen to Luminate or Will Page, they'll tell you that half the people who buy vinyl aren't playing it. It's a souvenir. Right. They want to have it. And just like you, I want to support my favorite artists, even yeah. though I can stream it. I want to buy that vinyl there at the merch table, maybe get Ari to sign it for me so I can put it up on my wall, you know? Yeah. I think the talk a little bit about those other yeah. areas where you can gain revenue. Sure. Right. So, um, you know, Bandcamp's been around since maybe 2008 or something. Um, a lot of artists are seeing great success on Bandcamp. I mean, yeah. some artists, you know, uh, they release a song on Bandcamp or an album on Bandcamp. And with fans being able to name their price, they might make more from 50 fans on Bandcamp than they make from 100,000 listeners Good on point. Spotify. Yes. That's a really that's a really important uh thing that that artists need to acknowledge and recognize is that like you don't need 100,000 fans 
to make uh, a significant amount of money from your recorded music. You, you need hard, need hardcore fans that are need hardcore fans. Is that that Radiohead? I think it was Radiohead that did that maybe first or one of those. Yeah, bands they were one of the, I think they were the first one that actually proved you could make a lot of money. Yeah, but I love price. what you're saying, Ari. I yes. think that makes a lot of sense. You want engaged hardcore fans um, like me because we'll buy everything yep. you put out. We will support you. And when you put that CD, let's say, out there and say, pay your own price, yeah, I'm going to pay 40 bucks. Right. Well, let, let, let me let me ask both of you guys this then about about this concept of whether it's putting the single out on Bandcamp or releasing vinyl. If you are an artist that's got a decent diehard fan base that mm -hmm. that you that you know is there and has been there to support you, do you need do these artists need to start thinking about a different strategy of releasing their music? Meaning it's no longer release everything all at once to all platforms. Yeah. As opposed to, okay, we know we've got a thousand diehard fans. Let's release that single only on Bandcamp for the first two weeks before yeah. it goes to streaming. So, you know, and I don't want this to sound bad, but so you can take advantage of the people who have the money, who would spend the money. Yeah. And Maybe before the full album gets dropped, you know, you've got 500 fans that would buy CDs and vinyl. Okay. Mm -hmm. Release physical first and a month later, go digital. So you, you can make sure to channel the people who would spend that money into the only option they have. I mean, conceptually, that sounds uh that it would make sense um in practice what i've found and what i'm seeing with artists that are doing this is uh almost the opposite um you know what you're talking about is windowing and we've been experimenting with windowing since streaming came out and it started with the superstars of you know adele and taylor swift not putting their songs on or their albums on streaming services for the exact philosophy yep. that you're, you're talking about um I, we've also seen indie artists do the same way um to to garner their you know 500 biggest fans to buy it or whatever uh what i've found is that it your diehard fans are going to support you whether you uh window or not meaning like you don't have to prevent them from streaming uh you have to convince them to support you if and if they're diehard enough they're going to do it so like um, and, and why I say it's almost what I'm seeing is the opposite is like, for one, since vinyl turnaround times are anywhere from six to nine months right, right. now, right. Um, it's just not feasible for artists to say, like, to plan, to plan it out. You can't plan it. It's like, you got to plan two years in advance of like, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. You know, they put the, you know, they put the album out um, or they might like what they'll do. I've seen is like, they'll release the first single everywhere and then they'll say, Hey, my vinyl is available for pre-order right now. And so you start to um, get yeah. the conversation going and get people excited about the album. They'll pre-order it. And now people know that that vinyl is probably not coming for months, you know? Right. And They're that's okay. And people like are still doing it. Um, and the diehards, because again, like you said, whether they have a turntable or not, it's not really about if, you know, the experience of putting it on and listening and playing it. It's about, 
showing my fandom for this artist and like you know yeah. some people can unlock exclusives if you pre-order if you buy the vinyl or something and you might have first access to tickets or vip options or it might come with some hidden tracks or it might come with like an additional package or, or whatever it is but um it's uh i haven't seen people window vinyl records just because of the mechanics of how it works it's right just, it's just not working um but you know i have heard of artists that are like you know uh I've, I've talked to artists who tour uh house concerts and they bring their cds and vinyls on the road and they just don't put their music on spotify and so when they're like oh is this song on spotify is this album on spotify and they're at the show they're like no it's not and like oh okay i'm like yeah the only way to listen to it is either the cd or vinyl now I don't have a CD player. That'd be awfully challenging. And I can't really, I would love to be able to listen to their music while I'm driving. And right. that's just not possible anymore. Um, if you don't put it out on streaming, you could put it on Bandcamp, and that's a way that you could do it. But, you know, I've seen people experiment with it. I don't recommend that. I wouldn't do that necessarily. Um, but those artists that are doing that, they have a very specific business model for a very specific use case. And that is they make their living touring house concerts exclusively. Yeah. They're not playing clubs and they have found that they are selling just as many CDs and records. Uh, and they're not worried about streaming, uh, or honestly, they're not worried about artists or fans listening to their music, I guess, outside of the house concert experience. And, and yeah. that's fine too. Yeah. I mean, I, at the core, I agree. I mean, I wanted to bring that question up because I hear that a lot from, from clients, but sure. I agree. If you've got diehards and, you know, I'll speak for myself and I'm sure you guys would agree. I'm a diehard of many bands. I will buy whether there's Spotify and iTunes out there as well. I'll listen on Spotify, but I will still go buy something to support. And I yeah. think what more bands are missing is just the basics of, providing their fans that opportunity to support them yeah there's a yeah. lot of bands you know bang my, our heads against the wall where you're like okay you just released your new album but your merchandise isn't going to be available for eight weeks right i'm sorry i'm hot right now to buy yeah. a t-shirt i want it right now yeah and yeah. and and you know we talk about all these new developing revenue streams but again i go back to I think, you know, merchandise at a basic core is a proven revenue stream. Yes. And too many artists don't pay attention to it. Well, they just here, ignore it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the reason they're ignoring it is because it uh, conceptually, it sounds like a heavy lift because I mean, and, and expensive, which it doesn't have to be anymore because previously... No. Um, you would have to buy the inventory. You didn't, you have to find a place you to store owned it. it. You'd have to yep. go to the, you know, mail, you know, post office and ship it out every time somebody placed an order. That's yeah. insane. Like I, who's got time for that. And I'm not going to go sit at the, in line at the post office every other day when somebody buys, you know, a $15 or $20 t-shirt or whatever, to, you know? So like yeah. now though, there are direct to consumer, um, print platforms. on demand fulfillment platforms that are open to everyone you know you can you can set up a shopify store and link that up with printful 
um, or you know, Banzoogle does that, uh, where they they have an integration with with Printful. You can put it right on your website, or you can integrate it to your Shopify store, and then you can put that on your Spotify profile because Spotify links with Shopify. And so when your album comes out and people are going to your Spotify profile, and then they see, oh, get the vinyl record right here, or get the T-shirt right here on your Spotify profile because it links directly with Shopify, which then is print on demand through Printful. Yes, it's it sounds like a lot, but you can set it yeah. up, you know, spend a couple hours and you can do that. Yeah. And so that is where we're at right now. And I've seen not just Printful. I mean, that's the biggest one right now. There are a lot of companies that are doing that's these right. prints on demand. I mean, this local t-shirt company based out of Milwaukee that I've been using for probably 15 years just pitched me on their print on demand. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. I didn't know you guys were, you know, this is a mom and pop shop that's doing it now too. It was like, cool. Yeah. Everybody is now getting to that game. Amazon just launched a new version of their print on demand. And, and I think that's really smart because I just had two artists finish multiple date tours. One was 40 dates and it was almost a 50-50 mix of revenue from merch and from from the shows from ticket sales it's substantial we always joke mm. around that it can mean the difference in staying in a hotel and sleeping in your van you know right. so to speak but a frustration for me is when i go to support these artists and they they don't have they don't have anything, anything. right and I, I mean it's not only they don't have anything it's it's all about like you said jay 50 50 split on merch and ticket sales um, I, I see that too, but I can also, sometimes I see that merch is actually significantly more sometimes, wow, but that's it's incredible. not just because that they have merch. There's a lot like here, like having here's the, the right thing. merch. It's, it's, it's the right merch, but it's also, are they taking digital payments? Are they taking credit cards? Are they taking, yep. you know, Venmo? Are they taking credit and cash? Like you need three these days. You can't just have Venmo. You can't just have cash. You need all three. Yeah. Um, you need a point. seller at the table from when the doors open to when the doors close, they yep. can't leave the table. And that's like a big thing is like, especially for the small tours where maybe a band member's selling or something like that, or, you know, you just don't have a seller and like, you're only jumping back there after the show to grab, you know, the people that stayed to the end. There's a lot of people that don't stay to the end of the show right. that leave would buy if somebody was standing by the merch table and there's just no one standing there. Same when people Good show point. up, they might want to buy early on. And so like most touring, you know, uh, smaller touring bands that are playing the small clubs are, they don't have their merch operation on lock like the bigger artists do. You know, when you go to a, an arena show, there's, 10 merch <laughs> stands yeah. set up and there's five people at each merch stand that's that is right. helping people out. And there's a long line there before the show starts. It's like, you can do that same thing on a micro level. Why do you think they do that? Because it's effective. Like, you know, don't not do that just because you don't think that your audience is going to buy before or during. So like, that's a really important thing. It's like, yes, you need the right merch. Sure. You need to have merch, but like more so, are you taking the proper payment models? And then also, do you have a seller there from start to finish? Yeah, good point. Uh, Ari, let me let me get your take on, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of talk over the last few months about venues taking a cut on merch. And is that fair? Is that legit? Should oh, that change? Oh, and wow, here we you, go. You, yeah, I mean, this is a rabbit hole, which, you know, for for a lot of younger artists, they don't realize this is not new. This has been right. part of the, 
you know, I worked for a merch company, a major merch company for years. Yeah. It was just a given that, you know, the, the arena took 30% Ooh. and that, that's why, you know, you, 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 you know, that's why the t-shirt that was online for $40 was costing you $70 at the venue because they had to mark it up to cover the venue's cut. Now I will add that that usually meant the venue did all of the work, meaning the venue staff. staff, they staffed the merch stands. They sold it. They counted it in. They counted it out. So the artist doesn't have to travel with a 12-person merch crew. They got one person who's just responsible for settling in and out at the end of the day. But what about the bars that are like, okay, you're playing to 200 people and we want to take 20%. Now, I will, mm -hmm. I will before you respond, I will just say, Having booked bands and having represented bands, that's always in the contract. If you don't yeah. read your contracts, you don't realize it's always been there. Yeah. And that's a negotiating point that you as an artist can easily go back to the venue and say, can you waive that? Can you and before you respond, half? Ari, let me interject really quickly because this is a hot item for me. One of my artists just booked an 18-date tour and was successful at going to 17 of those 18 venues and saying, I'm not paying this. You're not staffing it. We need this. Yep. If you want us to, we've been coming to you for years and you want us to continue coming. So to Mike's point, I just wanted to interject and say what he said about negotiation is spot on, but I would love to hear your take on your, well, Ari's take. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, I, I think it's flat out unethical. Uh, I've, I've, I've straight up gone to 250 cap clubs that I've been negotiating deals with. And I said, you want 10% uh, of our merch, then I want 10% of your bar. Yeah, I'm bringing the audience. So give me 10% of your bar if you want to take 10% of our merch. How'd that like, go this over? Is not your fans. These are my fans. Now in LA, it's non-negotiable. They're like, we don't do that. We're not doing it. Go play somewhere else. Um, it, that's, that's the problem is just like when you're in a saturated market like LA, I'd be curious those 17 markets, Jay, of where they not were. LA. I guarantee it's not LA. Not LA. No. <laughs> um, you're right. So like, you know, yes, it's a negotiating point and you should always ask to remove the merch cut or ask to take percentage of the bar. Uh, the Troubadour in LA, it's a 500 cap room. They take 20%. Um, now, you know, most most venues are taking uh, a percentage of soft merch, not hard merch, meaning right. T-shirts, not records. Um, so, like, that's a little bit of solace. Uh, I don't know how. What about working. the paid meet and greets, Ari? How does that fit into the equation? I mean, some... I've seen that. I've seen that go either way. You yeah. know, some some venues, some promoters want a part of it. Others only want a part of it if you're selling it at the merch stand. If you sold mm -hmm. it in advance through your own website, they don't want a part of it. And they're I not think particularly all, staffing it, Michael? Well, uh, this is all, this all comes into negotiation. So if you, okay, so for Wasp, when we, we did our meet and greets, a couple of the places we were, we would always go in and request, can we have one of your security guards just standing in the corner? A lot of them were like, yeah, no problem couple of them are like you want a security guard we want a percentage of that sale mm. so you got to understand that even selling just regular merch you want 10 percent of my merch for selling t-shirts will you provide somebody 
will be behind the merch stand for us because we don't have we don't have that person start to finish. These yeah. are all negotiating. They, yeah. they most of them may come right out and say no. Yeah. But the fact that you ask and start negotiating, I think will show the venue, the promoter, you're at a little different level. You are aware of what's going on here. And now they're going to be more open to working with you. Um, but back to meet and greets, I've seen that all over the place. Some of them mm -hmm. don't care. Some of them very much care. What do you think, Ari? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think it's, I mean, I stand by, I think it's unethical that the promoter and the venue is taking a cut of anything other than uh, ticket sales, um, period. Uh, I don't even think they should be taking a cut of ticket sales, to be honest. Like, I think 100% of the door should go to the artist, and then 100% of the bar goes to the venue. Boom. Easy. That, like, yeah. done. You know, and 100% of the merch also goes to the artist. Like, come on, you know, and if you want to take off, like, you know, a couple hundred bucks for the uh, front of house engineer, fine, understood. But like, don't, you know, I see these venues, 350 cap venues taken. Oh, our expenses, our house nut is $2,500. Oh, geez. Like, yeah. Get yeah. out of here. You're, what are you're you, lucky what? if you break even. Yeah, I mean, like, what? What am know, I paying your entire staff for tonight? <laughs> and rent, like, yeah. <laughs> like you're you're paying a percentage of rent for the like. Come on, even the entire staff's not costing that. Like, that's insane. But like, so, yeah, that I've seen that, and that's usually on. Um, they'll say that's their house nut, and you get a guarantee, and so it's like, okay, we'll give you a guarantee of two thousand dollars. And that versus, you know, 70% of the door after our house nut of $2,500. So it's like, oh, well, that's never happening. So we're just going to take the guarantee. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that the venue, I, I've seen it. I've seen, you know, even the fan club tickets is what they call it. Like, you know, a lot of um, promoters give like 6% of all tickets as like fan club tickets where the artists can sell those on their own. <laughs> However, I've seen small clubs take, they're like, we want a dollar of each ticket that you sell on your own if you're going to sell them on your own. And that includes if you're going to do a fan club thing or not. Um, so it's all a negotiating point. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I think there's this battle that's now been reignited uh, between, yeah. you know, agent versus promoter, artist versus venue, artist versus promoter, talent buyer, all of that. Um, you know, did you watch the t the Live Nation hearing, um, in, you know, in front of Congress? I thought Clyde Lawrence of the band Lawrence spoke really well of the plight of the indie touring artists. And I loved how he brought up ticketing fees. And it's just like all of these venues that are run by these Live Nation venues using Ticketmaster, it's all the same pot of money. And they're tacking on sometimes 50 60 percent of fees where are those fees going not to the right. artist no. and so it's like yeah. if we're making 60 70 percent of tickets um we're making 60 70 percent of quote unquote face value tickets so it's like it's a 15 dollar face value ticket but the fan is paying 23 dollars right. we don't make 70 percent right. of 23 dollars right. we make 70 percent of 15 dollars yeah that's complete bullshit because the additional seven eight bucks is going to either you know part of that is going to the venue part of that goes to the ticketing service ticket but not the artist not the artist so part of that so it's like yeah. you know and that's the problem is it's like a lot of these 
talent buyers won't negotiate some of them will but like one you can't really change the the fee on a lot of these uh you know we don't have any say on what the Ticketmaster fee is uh sometimes the venues i've heard both ways i've heard venues say that they do have a say and they they can they can alter the the ticket the fees a little bit sure uh, they do get a little cut of that fee so if they're taking a cut of the Ticketmaster fee and they're not giving the band a cut of that, then they yeah. shouldn't be taking a cut of our face value. That's insane. And I think that's really important, Ari, because we were talking with Bruce Houghton last week, and he did an audio drop in your Morning Coffee, the podcast. He's been yeah. doing touring for almost 35 years, and he's never seen a situation where the artist was participating financially in those fees. So your point's mm-hmm. well taken. Hey, Ari, we're running out of time. We could do this every day with, with you for weeks. Yeah. It's always a pleasure talking with you. You've got so much stuff going on you know with your Ari's Take Academy and you know just your your blog and I love how you break down on the podcast you know Submit Hub and some of these things tell our audience if they don't already know number one where can they get the book which they should get and number two all these other things that you're involved in where where can they learn more about it Ari cool thank you yeah I mean you can get the book wherever you buy books so if you want to get it on Amazon you can get it on Amazon if you want to support your uh, favorite thank you if your favorite local bookstore go support your favorite local bookstore everyone should have it uh, by, by the mean, way Ari we as a podcast we're taking 20% of your book sales <laughs> <laughs> you didn't negotiate right. that up front right, right. so that's just how it works around here that's just hurtful yeah. just hurtful <laughs> that's the house nut here we are oh, right. exactly yeah. Yeah. Nuts, right. so uh yeah. And then, um, we, yeah, my podcast is the new music business podcast. Um, we Love release it. episodes every week. So, uh, check that out. You can find that. Um, and then yeah, visit Ari'sTake.com. That's kind of the hub where everything lives from the Academy and the podcast, uh, like link for books and all of that stuff. Um, and yeah. the blog of course is on Ari'sTake.com uh, as well. You're one of our favorites, Ari. Thanks so much for coming I mean, on. It's I, always Jay, a pleasure. Jay, I think we owe Ari like a green jacket. Isn't this like his yeah. third or fourth time on the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. We'll, <laughs> we'll send him some uh, liquor or something. Yeah. Thanks, Ari. We really appreciate thank, thank it, man. You, Ari. Best. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a one. Yeah, Ari's always a wealth of... Uh, wealth of knowledge and experience you know he's he's one of these people out there who what he talks about is because he's actually done it himself he's tried the service he's he's used that tool you know he's 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 not just sitting here high in the sky talking well this seems to make sense he's actually Yeah, and and we're like that too. The reason we know about some of these platforms and people is we're doing this day to day and we try things. Some things work. We try things they don't. And you and I are talking about platforms and things all the time. And what I love about Ari in this book is he's captured a lot of that knowledge base that he's he's gotten from touring and and just all of this. And it's right there. It's such a great resource for you. Yep. Yep. Let's Let's uh, continue this discussion over at the Bands in Town Artist Community. Head over to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. You can join for free. Great resource, great discussions going on. Um, I would throw out a question that I'd love to hear. You know, what, what, what are your experiences dealing with venues taking merch cuts? Ooh, Meaning, you know, I guess, first of all, were you aware? Because, you know, surprisingly, a lot of artists 
were not aware of this. And like I said, yeah. this has been this is not new. This wasn't something that snuck in over the last year. Yeah, this has been, this has been here decades. for yeah. decades, yeah. decades. Um, but do you related to that? Then do you read your performance contract to see the terms that are in there? And have you ever gone back and tried to negotiate it out or down? And and I can tell you, as somebody who booked bands at a venue, a lot of times if an artist simply comes back. And, you know, our standard contract was we take 20%. If an art, any artist came back and said, can we remove that? Yeah, no problem. You know, it's, it's not You're one not of those items. You're not going to lose the artist over it. Yeah, it's one of those things where that's not the battle we want to pick. So, sure, if that's what it is, go ahead. We'll, we'll waive that for you. But it's in there because... You know, you got to understand, you know, venues got to try and make money so they can stay open and, and survive. Um, if somebody's going to give them 20 percent, they're going to take it. Uh, you know, you have to be aware of all the fingers in your financial pie. And that means yeah. paying attention to the terms in performance contracts. What are the That'd ticket right. fees? What are what are the merch fees? What are they going to do with VIP? Did you know, and we've, I know I've worked with artists who this was a surprise every once in a while, some venues go out and sell their own meet and greets for you, the artist, without you even knowing about it. And then you show up and they go, yeah, yeah, we got five people here that want to, yeah. we did a meet and greet for. And you're like, am I getting a piece of this? Did I approve this? Did I approve this? Well, yeah, it was in the contract and you just signed it. Yeah. So you didn't see that? Yeah. You know, should it change? Yes. But guess what? It's always been in your power to try and make that change. And the last thing I would add to that is I don't think it's ever proper to get up on stage in front of the audience and in front of the venue staff and rip a hole into the venue and the staff for what they're doing. That's a yeah, surefire way yeah. of never returning and maybe never playing that, that it's city not again. It's because yeah. the word gets out that you don't, you don't, you don't play well. Yeah. Good point. So let's, let's continue that over at the artist community on bands in town. And then of course, quick thank you uh, to Bruce and everybody at Hypebot and bands in town for all you do to support thank us you. and to our sponsors, bandzoogle.com who's going to be joining us next week. Yeah. And uh, discmakers.com. So thank you so much for all you guys do to support us. That's it. We'll see you next week. And industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.